Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hello, Las Vegas. It is Thursday. That means we are just three days away from our 40th anniversary celebration here at Liberty Baptist Church, where we're coming to you live from 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio. As mentioned, Sunday, this Sunday, September 10th, begins our 40th anniversary celebration. If you are in Las Vegas, you and your family want to be here for this. 9.30 and 11.15 Sunday morning, Pastor Josh Tice will be with us. Sunday night, we've got uh, Troy Shoemaker from Pensacola. Monday night, Dr. David Gibbs from the Christian Law Association. Tuesday night, Dr. David Young. And Wednesday night, of course, wrapping up our conference with Dr. Jonathan Falwell. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, all 7 p.m. Hope you will be here with us. All right, we've got a lot to cover today, a lot happening in the world. Obviously, Hurricane Irma is here, so we'll be watching that closely. If you do have friends and relatives in the path of the storm, I'd encourage you to encourage them uh, to be safe and not to take unnecessary risks. Uh, We've already seen the British Virgin Islands, St. Martin, Anguilla. They are underwater. We also have really nasty wildfires burning throughout the Pacific Northwest. We have ash covering major portions of Oregon and Washington State. I believe other uh, large fires in either Idaho or possibly Montana, maybe both. It's just everywhere you turn, it seems like. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things we've been blessed with here in Las Vegas. As hot as it gets during the summer, we don't have really natural disasters to speak of. I mean, we'll get a, a, we'll have some nasty windstorms. Like we had a really nasty windstorm. I think it was earlier this year. We'll have some flash flooding. But overall, when it comes to natural, not national, natural disasters, we're pretty blessed here in the desert. It's not a, not a hotbed for catastrophe, so to speak. But a lot of people doing a lot of good things in the wake of all of this. J.J. Uh, Watt has now raised over $20 million. Say what you will about football. Say what you will about celebrities raising money. But that is pretty spectacular. Over $20 million for the city of Houston. And there's going to be a lot of work to do there. A lot of recovery that's going to need to happen. I'm sure that Florida will probably be needing our assistance as well. So we'll keep an eye on that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about DACA or DACA or DACA, however you want to pronounce it. What the president is doing there, what Congress is doing there, whether or not we should be outraged. Because being outraged is, in fact, all the rage these days. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a few minutes to cover all of that. You're listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. All right, let's talk about DACA or DACA, D-A-C-A. Is there a proper pronunciation for acronyms? Not entirely sure, except for when it comes to GIF, G-I-F, the pictures that move. The creator of the GIF says it's pronounced GIF. And I will always debate you on that, Jonathan. Anyhow, DACA. 
seems to be the preferred pronunciation among most, stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Earlier this week, on Tuesday, President Trump announced that his administration is going to wind down the DACA program over the next six months. President Barack Obama began this program in 2012 as a way of protecting illegal immigrants who were brought to the United States prior to the age of 16. It's estimated that roughly 800,000 young people have been protected from deportation under the program. Now, when he announced the decision, President Trump made it clear that it is Congress's responsibility to come up with some sort of replacement plan. Now, keep in mind, President Obama enacted this DACA without congressional approval or conferring with Congress at all. President Trump said, As president, my highest duty is to defend the American people and the Constitution of the United States of America. At the same time, I do not favor punishing children, most of whom are now adults, for the action of their parents. Congress now has the opportunity to advance responsible immigration reform that puts American jobs and American security first. The idea being the president has given six months this program ends and in that time Congress is supposed to craft an actual legal legislative solution Democrats have jumped all over this calling it cruel heartless mean pick your favorite adjective they're saying it's par for the course with the president's hatred of immigrants or what they perceive as his hatred of immigrants House Speaker Paul Ryan had this to say. He said, however well-intentioned, President Obama's DACA program was a clear abuse of executive authority. Just as the courts have already struck down similar Obama policy, this was never a viable long-term solution. It is my hope that the House and Senate, with the President's leadership, will be able to find consensus on a permanent legislative solution. Senator Mike Lee, Republican from Utah, one of my favorites, argued on Tuesday that Congress not the president, must find a reasonable, compassionate alternative to DACA. He said DACA was an illegal abuse of executive power, and it's important to reaffirm that the president cannot unilaterally rewrite the law. Today's decision puts the ball in Congress's court. A balance between compassion and deterring future illegal immigration can be found. Attorney General Jeff Sessions also made clear this week that no new initial DACA requests or associated applications after today will be acted upon. Democrats called Tuesday a dark day in America, saying that the president is after the children. So, what does all this mean? What should we think about it? Where do we fall? What can we say? What can we do? Well, the president's move here, in my opinion, politically speaking, is somewhat brilliant. Here's why. The president is saying, Congress, fix this, or the program will die completely. And if you don't fix it, then it's over for good. So he's basically forcing Democrats and squishy Republicans, if you will, into a box saying, okay, You can either come up with a legal alternative that Congress can enact, 
or this program goes away forever. That's what he's saying. You agree with it or disagree with it, that's the gist of what President Trump is doing. You may wish that he would use executive powers. I don't, because the former president used executive powers much too often, and we decried him for doing so. It should be considered a good thing when the president says, hey, I don't actually have the authority to do this. Congress, your job. Or, you know, I will step in if I have to, but you get first chance at this. Now, former President Obama has made it clear quickly, very quickly he's made it clear that he has no intentions of following in his predecessor's uh, footsteps of... I'm no longer the president. It's hard enough to be president without a former president criticizing you. That was President George W. Bush's stance and philosophy throughout the Obama administration. He didn't comment. He didn't point fingers. He said, you know what? His job is hard enough as it is. He doesn't need me telling him what to do. Now, President Obama does not feel this way about President Trump. In fact, he took to Facebook to issue a lengthy response to President Trump's announcement on DACA. I'm not going to read all of it because it would take a very, very significant portion of this program to get through it. <laughs> but you can go to his Facebook page. It's, uh, it's just Barack Obama on Facebook, and you can read the whole thing. So I'm going to hit on some of the highlights, all right? He said this. This is former President Obama. said, Immigration can be a controversial topic. We all want safe, secure borders and a dynamic economy, and people of goodwill can have legitimate disagreements about how to fix our immigration system so that everybody plays by the rules. But that's not what the action that the White House took today is about. This is about young people who grew up in America, kids who study in our schools, young adults who are starting careers, patriots who pledge allegiance to our flag. These dreamers are Americans in their hearts, in their minds, in every single way but one on paper. They were brought to this country by their parents, sometimes even as infants. They may not know a country besides ours. They may not even know a language besides English. They often have no idea they're undocumented until they apply for a job or college or a driver's license. Over the years, uh, politicians of both parties have worked together to write legislation that would have told these young people, our young people, that if your parents brought you here as a child, if you've been here a certain number of years, and if you're willing to go to college or serve in our military, then you'll get a chance to stay and earn your, earn your citizenship. And for years while I was president, I asked Congress to send me such a bill. That bill never came. And then he goes on to say, because of this, uh, he put in place uh, DACA so that they could continue to contribute to our communities and our country without fear of deportation. Uh, and then he says some 800,000 young people stepped forward, met rigorous requirements, and went through background checks, and America grew stronger as a result. Uh, then he continues, let's skip down a bit, he says, let's be clear, the action today taken today isn't required legally. It's a political decision and a moral question. Whatever concerns or complaints Americans may have about immigration in general. We shouldn't threaten the future of this group of young people who are here through no fault of their own, who pose no threat, who are not taking away anything from the rest of us. And so on and so forth. Uh, I'll just end with his final paragraph because it's, it's, 
There's a lot of this. Uh, what makes us American is not a question of what we look like or where our names come from or what the way we pray. What makes us American is our fidelity to a set of ideals that all of us are created equal, that all of us deserve the chance to make of our lives what we will, that all of us share an obligation to stand up, speak out, and secure our cher most cherished values for the next generation. That's how America has traveled thus far. That's how, if we keep at it, we will ultimately reach that more perfect union. All right. Um... First of all, I have a I have a problem with his last phrasing that will ultimately reach the more perfect union. Um, the founder said we already had it. Said in order to establish more perfect union, I'm pretty sure they thought we had achieved that point. But anyhow, I'm not going to mince words on that because it's not actually related to the topic. But it does give you an interesting look into what the former president's worldview regarding our country. Okay, so former President Obama obviously disapproves of President Trump's decision here. Let's go back, though. Let's go back to 2012 when President Obama announced this new policy. This is what he said. When he announced DACA, when he put it in place, this is what then-President Obama said about DACA. He said this, quote, in the next few months, eligible individuals who do not present a risk to national security or public safety will be able to request temporary relief from deportation proceedings and apply for work authorization. Let's be clear. This is not amnesty. This is not immunity. This is not a path to citizenship. This is not a permanent fix. This is a temporary stopgap stop measure that lets us focus our resources wisely while giving a degree of relief and hope to talented, driven, and patriotic young people. It is the right thing to do. Now, key phrase in there. He said, this is not amnesty. This is not immunity. This is not a path to citizenship. This is not a permanent fix. This is a temporary stopgap measure. That was five years ago. How long is a temporary stopgap measure, which is not amnesty, immunity, a path to citizenship, or a permanent fix, according to the former president's own words. How long is the temporary measure supposed to stay in place? Congress has had five years with this temporary measure in place. Four of them under then-President Barack Obama, who himself said that this was a temporary measure who then in his Facebook post decrying Trump said he was waiting for a bill for legislation that would deal with children who are brought here through no uh, will of their own and what we would do with them. And he said that bill never came. Well, perhaps rather than jumping all over President Trump for saying, okay, we are now going to end this temporary measure, and Congress, you have six months to now do your job and come up with a solution. I don't... I, I, I get it. I get that it's children. I get that it's a sensitive issue. But when you look at the history of this, when you look at the facts surrounding it, I, I'm not sure I comprehend the outrage. Notice that President Trump did not go on TV and say, okay, if you're here illegally, pack your things, we're about to come and get you. That's not what he said. He said, Congress, you've got six months to fix this thing. 
Again, you can wish that he just fixed it himself with executive order or whatever you want. But in terms of the rule of law and what President Obama himself said, this was a temporary fix. He was waiting for Congress to send him a bill dealing with this situation. He never got it. So President Trump says, okay, the temporary fix is coming to an end. It's been five years. We're phasing it out. Congress, this is your chance. Get me a bill. That's where we're at with this. And here's, I think, where the struggle comes in. As the emotional struggle, the struggle of how can we say that this is a good legal move when we're talking about children who've done nothing wrong, who go to our schools, who work jobs here that are contributing to our society. How can we say, too bad for you, sorry you didn't do anything wrong, now we're kicking you out? Here's, here's the reason for that. It's because as Christians, we are called to be compassionate, to be loving, even to love our enemies. So we th- see things like this, and we think, oh, this is not right. This is a cruel thing to do to these children. And then if we talk about the flip side of it, the actual legal ramifications and the history of it and what's going on, it makes us sound like we don't care about the children. It makes us sound heartless. And so we're, we're hesitant to take that position. But here's the part that is often overlooked. Government is not the same thing as an individual. And the responsibilities of governments are different than the responsibilities held by individuals. If you, as an individual, actually care about immigrants, why not do something as an individual to help them? I mean, have you considered being a host family for a foreign exchange student to help them come to America? Have you considered donating your time or your resources to organizations like Mercury One that are helping to relocate individuals and families in Syria and other parts of the world where persecution is running rampant and their lives are literally in danger? I mean, have you done anything to actually personally help an immigrant? And if not, then Maybe this isn't the best time for you to express your opinion about what the government should be doing if you as an individual haven't done anything to fulfill your individual responsibilities. We may not like this, but it is our government's responsibility to enforce our laws. President Trump's responsibility is to enforce our laws. And we have a system, broken as it may be, for those who wish to come into our country. More than 40 million immigrants currently live in the United States. That's more immigrants, or rather, it's most of the immigrants on the planet. One-fifth of the entire worldwide migrant population lives in the United States. We have more immigrants here than in all 48 of the Latin South American countries and European Union countries combined. Combine them all together and we have more immigrants than all of them. All of them. Now, roughly 10 million or so of those immigrants are in fact here illegally. 
This may not sound nice. May not sound friendly. But illegal immigration makes things more difficult for those individuals and families who are attempting to get here legally. And frankly, this country, our government, is under zero obligation to accept a single immigrant. We have no obligation to do so. We accept immigrants because we are a good country. Additionally, on top of everything else, it's an inconvenient truth, but the average age of an illegal alien in this country is not 5 or 6 or 12 or 13 years old. No, the average age is 22. But beyond that, if we should simply throw out immigration laws because political correctness or our, or our feelings of compassion as individuals make us feel like we couldn't possibly do this, what other laws should we ignore for the sake of our feelings? What other laws should we ignore for the sake of political correctness? I mean, we should probably start making a list. Otherwise, we're going to lose track. If we leave DACA in place, what deterrent is there to breaking our immigration law? I mean, if you're a parent, would you be more or less inclined to illegally enter a country knowing that even if they deported you, your child could stay or that bringing a child into the country meant that both of you may be able to stay? But then what if the tables were turned? What if you knew that children or no children, both you and they would be deported? Would you be more inclined to follow the law then? I mean, and that's really the main thing here. We can talk about whether this uh, phasing out of DACA is cruel or inhumane, but the fact of the matter remains, and that is that illegal, when something is illegal, it means that it is against the law. And it's the president's job and Congress's job to keep us safe, which includes overseeing enforcement of our current laws and making the making of new laws and better ones as is necessary. Now, granted, I I don't think that President Trump is the best president our country has ever had. I think he's done some very good things. And I don't know if you've looked at your retirement fund lately, but you might want to thank him for that little uh, boost you've been seeing in the stock market. Mm-hmm. And I, I will be the first to admit that it scares me when White House Press Secretary uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders says that if Congress does not figure out something in the next six months, that the president will then be looking to con- conduct his own uh, comprehensive immigration reform plan. Uh, that scares me because we have no idea what that means. I mean, comprehensive immigration reform is not often a phrase used by Republicans, most especially by Donald Trump. In fact, it stands in stark opposition to the chance of building a wall on which I think a lot of his campaign support may have come. So there is that aspect of it. There is a lot to look at here. 
But we need to be careful of just painting in broad strokes and making these sweeping generalizations about the president or about Congress or about anyone else without understanding the actual facts of the matter. So, three key elements for you that you can take with you. Three key elements relating to DACA. These are the only three words you need to remember, really, when it comes to this issue. One, illegal. The phasing out of DACA affects legal immigrants in no way whatsoever. The only individuals that would be affected by this are individuals who are here illegally. It may sound mean, it may sound cruel, but if you're here illegally, that means you have broken the law. So that's number one, illegal. And I know, I get it, it's children, maybe they didn't have a choice. But we can't take care of all the world's children. I get that they're children. But it's not our country's responsibility to take care of every child in the world. It's just not. Number two. Congress. Congress and Constitution. We can kind of mesh those two together. So you've got number one. Illegal. Number two, Constitution in the Congress. President Obama was waiting for a bill from Congress to deal with this situation where you have children who are not choosing to come here and what do you do with them then once they're here? He was waiting and never came. Now Congress has a chance to actually do something. To put something together and to get a win. Yes, I'm aware that this is the Congress, the GOP Congress that couldn't even repeal Obamacare. And now we're asking them to overhaul immigration and we think that this will end well. I get all of that, but I'm just giving you the points that we have them right now. And thirdly, temporary. President Obama said that this was not amnesty. This was a temporary stopgap measure. And this temporary measure has been in place for five years. So what President Trump is trying to do, or what he's going to do rather, is in six months this program ends. He's phasing it out. He's giving Congress a timeline to get something together. If they don't, I don't know what's going to happen, and we're going to have to cross that bridge when we come to it. But right now, those are the things you need to remember. Three things, in my opinion. One, illegal may not like it, may sound cruel. It's not our government's responsibility to take care of all the children of the world. It just isn't. And if we're not going to act as individuals, we have no right to speak if we think that our government should be doing different. Number two is Constitution and Congress. It's Congress's responsibility to come up with some sort of solution here. And number three, temporary. This was only ever supposed to be a temporary solution according to President Obama's own words. Alright? Those are the three main things for you to remember when it comes to this DACA issue, when you're talking with your friends about it, or when you're watching it on the news. Just run it through those elements. Because there's a lot of really fired up people out there about this, and I get it. Because it is the children. And I understand that. And we should be compassionate, and we should be caring. And our country is the most compassionate, caring country on the face of the planet. Again, we have more immigrants here 
than in all Latin American countries and all countries in the European Union combined. This nation is not anti-immigrant, but this nation is a nation of laws. And now Congress has six months to create good laws. And if they don't, we will revisit this subject because then I will have lots more to say about it. But for now, we're going to move on. So let me just tell you that you're listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio. We will be back in just a few minutes. Our pastor, David Tice, is going to stop by with another little uh, insight into our upcoming 40th anniversary conference. Then we'll talk about New England sports teams and how they just can't ever seem to stop cheating. Don't go away. Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. Do you know why I'm fantastic? I know why you're fantastic, because you're looking forward to a special event that's taking place here at Liberty Baptist Church. That's exactly right. I don't know how you knew that unless you're excited about the same thing. I am very excited about the fact that we, on Sunday evening, September 10th, are going to have a special guest with us. Yes, we are. Dr. Troy Shoemaker from Pensacola. You knew. You knew. I I knew you were excited about it. Troy Shoemaker. I'm counting down the days. Listen, this is the um, Pensacola Christian College and Pensacola Christian Academy is one of the most influential Christian institutions in the entire world. It's true. They are responsible for literally hundreds of thousands of people uh, getting Christian education. They have distributed books around the world and have been used of God in a mighty, mighty way. Uh, it was just five years ago that Troy Shoemaker took over as president, only the second president of Pensacola Christian College, and he's in charge of the entire uh, Pensacola Abeka Academy uh, program, which again has influenced has influenced worldwide. Mm-hmm. He's going to be with us as a special guest speaker on Sunday evening uh, at 6 p.m., and it's going to be great. I'm I'm just looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And the the, like as you said, the work that is happening at Pensacola and through P- Pensacola Christian College is just amazing. How many students are there now? It's an incredible amount of people. Well, right now on campus they have close to five thousand students, or maybe a little bit more than five thousand students. But the they they have a a uh, education program that through video and through mm-hmm. uh, extension programs that that uh, I don't I have no idea. How, how large that is. And then, of course, their academy, mm-hmm. uh, their, their uh, video homeschools, their, uh, their yeah. is And is, even is beyond worldwide. that, to where there are homeschoolers that don't use the videos that utilize, utilize can't yeah. say the word, their curriculum, which is what I did growing up. Our family used their curriculum, but we didn't do video. So yeah. I don't even know if they can, they probably don't even know how many people are using their curriculum, which that's, is that's right. uh, we mind-blowing. That's right. My, all five of my our, of my kids grew up going through uh, Abeka, and it mm-hmm. was just it's just tr- tremendous. This will be a great opportunity for you to hear a great man of God. If you've not been, uh, if you've never heard Troy Shoemaker, this may be your one opportunity to hear him. Uh, so come and uh, be part of our 40th anniversary as we celebrate Christ and what He's done for us. Uh, come and allow yourself to be blessed as we just have a good time celebrating. Uh, Uh, 40 years here at Liberty. Oh, those New England sports teams. 
can't live with them. Sure would love to try and live without them. <laughs> oh, yes. Somehow I'm just not surprised by this. It's as if they share their secrets up there. I'm not going to get into deflate gate and whether or not Tom Brady should have been suspended, which I would say yes, but okay, we'll just move on. The Boston Red Sox were caught using Apple Watches to steal signals from the Yankees. In case you're not familiar with baseball, the Red Sox and Yankees are... That's, um, that's already a, a nice little rivalry right there. So now... It's, uh, now it's just gone to a whole new level. I'm just going to read you part of this article from the New York Times because I, there are so many things I could say and so many things that I might. But before we get into all that, let's just get some facts, shall we? Facts from the New York Times. For decades, spying on another team has been as much a part of baseball's gamesmanship as brushback pitches and hard slides. The Boston Red Sox, though, have apparently added a modern and illicit twist. They used an Apple Watch to gain an advantage against the Yankees and other teams. Investigators from Major League Baseball have determined that the Red Sox, who are in first place in the American League East and very likely headed to the playoffs, executed a scheme to illicitly steal hand signals from opponents' catchers in games against the second-place Yankees and other teams, according to several people briefed on the matter. The baseball inquiry began about two weeks ago after the Yankees general manager, Brian Cashman, filed a detailed complaint with with the commissioner's office that included video the Yankees shot of the Red Sox dugout during a three-game series between the two teams in Boston last month. The Yankees, who had long been suspicious of the Red Sox stealing catcher's signs in Fenway Park, contended the video showed a member of the Red Sox training staff looking at his Apple Watch in the dugout. The trainer then relayed a message to other players in the dugout, who, in turn, would signal teammates on the field about the type of pitch that was about to be thrown, according to people familiar with the case. And it goes on from there. The Red Sox have not denied these allegations. Which leads many people to believe that they are then probably true. So here's the thing. And I've always wondered this about baseball when I've watched it. And by the way, I'm, I'm a football fan. right? So I, I really don't enjoy sitting down and watching baseball on TV. But, but, going to an actual baseball game, I love doing that. I love going to baseball games. In fact, I would rather go to a baseball game than to a football game. And I and football's my favorite. I love football. But there's just a very different atmosphere and uh when I watch football, probably because I'm so into it. <laughs> There's a certain side of me that I don't necessarily like to share with the public and I always feel suppressed when I'm in public at a football game and Maybe this would be different if I went to a Broncos home game because I've never actually been to a home game. I've been to practices in Mile High Stadium, whatever we're calling it now because Sports authorities out. But anyway, I've never been to an actual game in Denver. Maybe that would make everything different. But I've always been with my family and we've been the ones that you're trying to act like you're not happy when your team scores for fear of your life when you walk out into the parking lot later. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I've just always enjoyed going to baseball games 
I love football, so I like going to football games, but it's not the same feel. It's not the same type of thing. Indoor soccer and soccer games, they're up there too. Anyway, unrelated. Point being, when I've gone to baseball games, I've always wondered, you know, they're, they're using all these different hand signals. Everybody can see this. They've got to be trying to figure out what they're telling each other, right? Because I'm sitting there trying to figure out what you're doing. Are you telling me there's nobody in the dugout trying to figure out what you're just signaling there with your touching your hat and your chin and your nose and smacking your leg? Like, no one's trying to figure this out? Of course they are. And the the Yankees, uh, who was it? I read some, who was this? I don't know. Somebody with the Yankees had said uh, that yeah, we know people try to figure out your signals. Here's where push comes to shove. Electronic devices are not supposed to be used in the dugout. Because if you've ever watched baseball on TV, you can see the hand signals that the catcher is giving. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to start putting two and two together and figure out which numbers mean which pitch. Right? You can do it. It's not that hard. So obviously if you have someone that does baseball for a living, sitting and watching this and going, okay, this is this, is this, is this, sending it down to somebody that's using an electronic device to then signal the players on the field to say, this is what's happening, well, you're just taking the fun out of the game now. Like, you're taking the fun out of trying to figure it out. And not only are electronic devices not allowed, binoculars are also prohibited. Now, as far as I know, there are no rules against, uh, you know, you could be watching on TV and outside of the dugout and have a runner that can run in and be like, uh, here I am, here I am, this is what we think they're going to do. So there you go. And people, we know that happens. And the league knows that happens. But what you can't do is use electronic devices to shorten that time. Because obviously if you know it in real time, then that makes a big difference as opposed to if you have to have some kid running, 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 and hope that he gets there in time so that you can communicate it via hand signals to your guys on the field. Like it's just, that's the way it is. That's baseball. But the Red Sox, they were cheating. They were cheating. Mm, and using electronic devices to do so. Why does this sound so familiar? Oh, yeah. The Patriots. The Patriots. But because I have friends who listen to this program that are huge Patsy's fans, I won't get into all of that. I will just say to all of you, here's our thought for the day. Be better. Be better than the Red Sox. Be better than the Patriots. Don't cheat your way through life. Win this thing fair and square. Alright? That's what you're supposed to do. And why are you supposed to do it? Simple. The Bible says over and over and over again to do what is right. 
1 Thessalonians 5 says you're supposed to abstain from even the appearance of evil. Ecclesiastes 7 says that a good name is better than great riches. Proverbs 13.5, a righteous man hateth lying. The word lying there is deceit. A righteous man hates deceit, but a wicked man comes to shame. And Proverbs 10.9, because it's for your own good. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his way shall be known. It can also be translated as basically slip and fall. That's what he's saying. God says, live right, do right, be right. If you need a modern translation, just be better than the Red Sox. That's all. And come join us on Sunday for our 40th anniversary celebration. Begins Sunday morning, September 10th, 930 and 1115. Be here. Pastor Josh Tice will be with us. The celebration. That's what I'm going for. The celebration continues Sunday night at 6 o'clock with Troy Shoemaker. Then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Join us. Would love to have you and your family here. Have a great day. And remember, tomorrow is Friday. That means we're going to give something away on this program. Be sure to tune in.